Hey Subfuries, fantasy stories are known for a lot of things. Vague, often contrived prophecies, gallant, amazingly gifted chosen one heroes with no parents because they're inconvenient for the plot, and lots and lots of mythical races. But arguably, the thing that really sets fantasy apart from other genres is magic. Its role in the world you create, how characters can use it to solve problems, and the problems it can create. Oftentimes a really unique magic system is what sets one fantasy story apart from another. In writing your fantasy novel, something to think about is how hard or soft you want your magic system to be. Now we have to thank our lord and saviour of hard magic systems, Brandon Sanderson, for popularising the terms hard and soft, but what do they mean? This video will be delving deep into hard magic systems, so I'll only be lightly touching on what a soft magic system is. But broadly speaking, soft magic systems often have a vague, undefined, or mysterious set of rules and limitations to being used. If you like fantasy, then you've definitely seen this in Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. Everyone knows Gandalf can do wizardy things with his pointy hat and his staff, but when it comes down to the specific limitations of what he can and can't do, Gandalf tends to skimp on the details. A hard magic system, on the other hand, has clearly defined rules, consequences, and limitations that govern what one can or cannot do with magic. That your hero can use telekinesis, but they can only use it on things they could realistically lift themselves, and the things have to be within 10 meters of them. A great example of a hard magic system is Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which if you haven't seen, has amazing characters, world building, and story structure. If you enjoyed Avatar The Last Airbender, there's a good chance you might enjoy that. In Full Metal, they call magic alchemy, and it's governed strictly by the law of equivalent exchange, which trust me you'll get to know very well as you watch the series because they repeat it at the start of every single episode. It is impossible to create something out of nothing. If one wishes to obtain something, something of equal value must be given. This is the law of equivalent exchange. For example, Alphonse transforms all of the pieces of a broken radio into a working radio. All of the pieces are there, they just have to be put in the right place and order in order to work again. Alchemy never ever breaks that first rule. The viewer knows pretty well what the characters can or can't do in any given circumstance. Now, your story can have a magic system that is anywhere on the spectrum from soft to hard, and both styles have their merits and limitations for different kinds of stories, but let's talk about hard magic today. Sanderson wrote essays on what he calls his three rules of magic, but the most important one for hard magic systems is the first. An author's ability to solve conflict with magic is directly proportional to how well the reader understands said magic. Writing is all about how you set up problems and conflicts and how they are resolved in a way that makes for a good story. If we have no idea what Gandalf can do and he just solved every problem the Fellowship has with random, unseen before magical spells and moments of tension, then it wouldn't be a satisfying resolution. It feels like the author is just writing, A WIZARD DID IT! and expecting you to be happy with a clear deus ex machina. Sticking to Sanderson's first rule in hard magic systems means the reader understands what characters can or can't do, their capabilities, and are always thinking about how magic can be used to solve problems within those strict rules that you laid out. Magic becomes a defined tool that doesn't feel cheap to use because it's not screaming, how is it did it, at the reader. It's the character's experience, intelligence, and ingenuity that allows them to solve problems. Readers can feel cheated by soft magic because it's much harder to predict where it can be used or what it can do, but hard magic allows the reader to feel much more a part of the story, aligning themselves with the characters as they earnestly predict how magic could be used in any given circumstance. In Avatar The Last Airbender, and forgive me for using it as the benchmark for all things good and holy in writing, but it is, the bending magic system is relatively hard. It's not all that 
that mysterious with the exception of an occasional new alternate bending style thrown in, and the rules are relatively clear. It's established numerous times throughout the series that water can be bent from a variety of sources. It doesn't just have to be water flowing in a river, say, but you can bend it from trees, vines, and even human blood. So it's a logical and satisfying conclusion to have Katara escape prison by water bending her body sweat. The viewer could have figured it out just as Katara did. After all, the human body is full of water. But how do you actually design a hard magic system? Firstly, you have to keep in mind its predictability. Typically, the harder your magic system, the more specific you have to be about its rules and consequences. Soft magic can be mysterious and unpredictable, but your hard magic system really does need a level of predictability, or at least an internal consistency. That if our gallant hero with his suave look and 11 inch wand does magical action X, he can expect magical consequence Y. Now this doesn't mean that your hard magic can't have the possibility of disastrous or unpredicted consequences should the magic go horribly wrong, but it does mean that those unpredictable effects will often come from the character's lack of knowledge, mistake or misuse of the intended magic, not because the magic is inherently unpredictable. Once again, my baby Fulmir Lagmus demonstrates this perfectly when an attempt to bring someone back from the dead creates a ghoulish monster and destroys Alphonse's entire physical body, not because the magic itself was unpredictable, but because they didn't understand the law of equivalent exchange, the rule that governs all alchemy. While Sanderson didn't say this explicitly, I do feel that the guidelines for designing hard magic systems are best encompassed fundamentally in his essay The Second Law of Magic. Limitations are more important than powers. If you want to read it in more detail, there's a link down in the description below to it. Seems pretty simple, right? That Harry Potter's magic is limited because he can only cast spells when he has a wand. Though later on we do learn that wandless magic is a thing for like level 99 wizards with really cool hats. Hard magic systems often boil down to three things, their limitations, weaknesses, and costs. These essentially create the rules your magical characters have to obey. What limits are there on their powers? Can your suave hero mind control people, but only as long as they can see them and they're naked? The most common form of limitation is a vaguely defined limit of strength or training or mental acumen of the practitioner. Avatar The Last Airbender is kind of like this. There's no explicit limit to how much fire a person can conjure or how strong a wind they can muster, but we know it's kind of limited by their training, willpower, strength and talent. Think of it as the rule of there's only so much awesome one human can handle. If you're really trying to differentiate your hard magic system from this common trope, then think about not relying on this particular limitation, but maybe something else. Perhaps certain powers can be negated or are affected by certain things in the environment around them, like the moon, certain plants or minerals. That way your magician has to be aware of their surroundings at all times, or it can be used against them by their enemies. Secondly, weaknesses. Weaknesses in magic systems can create interesting dynamics in a story where magic would usually make a character a lot more powerful than those around them. Maybe they can transform into a werewolf at will, but that makes them vulnerable to silver bullets. Though, once again, making these limitations to your magic too simple can be uninteresting. Don't just give your super suave hero with fantastic hair and gorgeous eyes a kryptonite factor that completely incapacitates them. If you have multiple different powers in your story, it could be interesting to have the use of one power making them more vulnerable to another, so your character has to be cautious about using their powers around someone who could take advantage of that. At its heart, I personally feel that the best magic systems are designed in such a way that it affects the way that the characters think or their world operates. Finally and thirdly, perhaps the most common way that people create rules for their magic system is through magic costing something. 
Fullmetal Alchemist requires the exact materials to turn X into Y. Water, 35 liters. Carbon, 20 kilograms. Ammonia, 4 liters. Lime, 1.5 kilograms. Phosphorus, 800 grams. Salt, 250 grams. In a lot of series, the magician requires certain materials for their spell or enchantment. Bone of the father, unwillingly given. Flesh, the servant, willingly sacrificed. Blood of the enemy, forcibly taken. In Harry Potter, this ritual had costs in terms of ingredients as well as the way the ingredients had to be acquired. But perhaps the most common magical cost is that of bodily energy. In the Wheel of Time and the Inheritance Cycle, doing something with magic exhausts you. Which is fine until you try and be too magically heroic and you overdose on magical heroin and die. Magic causing fatigue is so common because it's an easy way to separate the strong from the weak. A powerful magician doesn't flinch as she vanquishes an army, while a weak one collapses from trying to zap a fly. It allows for a lot of wiggle room for the author because you can make it so that your hero has just enough energy to do impressive magical thing X without much more justification than a short training montage beforehand. But you've got to be careful about how you use this cost because it can come across as cheap if your hero is suddenly doing things that they couldn't before or the exhaustion factor is so inconsistent that it's not really a cost at all. That magical thing X exhausts them just enough when the story requires them to succeed but magical thing Y is a little too much when the story requires them to fail. We've already talked about how hard magic systems require a level of predictability and consistency, and the exhaustion cost can challenge that predictability and suspension of belief if not used wisely. One of my favourite examples of a magical cost is actually from one of the softest fantasy magic systems, in A Song of Ice and Fire. In that, Beric Dondarrion is brought back to life dozens of times using magic, and it changes him. George R. R. Martin described it as such, My characters who come back from death are worse for wear. In some ways, they're not even the same characters anymore. The body may be moving, but some aspect of their spirit has changed or transformed, and they've lost something. Coming back from the dead costs Beric Dondarrion something of himself. What precisely we're never told, but it's visible in the character in his books. Pieces of you get chipped away. Look for unique ways to make your magic cost if you want to distinguish your magic system from others. Maybe manipulating the element of earth causes plants to die around you. The ramifications of these effects could be widespread and fascinating to explore. If this kind of magic was common, would it be outlawed to protect the crops and forests? Interestingly, both Avatar and Harry Potter have very little cost in terms of their magic. The exhaustion that the Avatar characters experience seems to be primarily from the physical exercise they get doing what essentially amounts to martial arts. And while we do see that it requires effort at certain points, exhaustion never plays the large cost-like role that we see in The Wheel of Time or The Belgariad, where overusing magic can kill you. Likewise, casting spells in Harry Potter very rarely seems to draw on the strength of the caster. There are vague lines in the books that refer to powerful spells requiring powerful magic, but it really acts as a true cost to the witch or the wizard. The reason for this in both series, I think, is that their magic systems are restricted heavily by limitations rather than cost. Bending is limited pretty strictly by ability and practice, while magical ability is limited by knowledge and skill. Where the limitations in your hard magic system create strong enough rules for your characters, for that predictability that you need, it may not be necessary to have a large cost. Likewise, if the cost of your magic is large, it may not be necessary to have strict limitations. It really just depends on which kind of rules you want your hard magic system to rely on. Finally, style. You need to pick a style for your hard magic system 
system, and this can be a lot of fun. Typically speaking, hard magic systems need to be more specific about this than soft magic. Maybe you want a theurgical magic system where your characters channel the power of gods, angels, and demons. Or maybe they need special magical devices like various items of glamorous jewelry, or it requires blood and sacrifice. Or maybe they're tapping into the ubiquitous force that permeates everything and everyone conveniently. I often find that writers focus on designing the style of their magic system more than the other parts we talked about before, and while it's a lot of fun to design the aesthetics of it, it's the predictability, limitations, weaknesses, and costs that will play into the conflicts, problems, and character interactions of the story the most. But of course, as I always say, there's no right way to write, and it's all up to how you feel that you work best. These guidelines will work for some people, and they won't work for others. This is going to be a three-part writing series on magic systems, and next time I want to talk to you about soft magic systems, how to design them, and their place in your fictional, fantastical world. I hope this helped, and if it did, please give it a like and leave me a comment down below. My question of the day is, what is your magic system like? How would you design one? If you like what I make, please consider supporting me on Patreon for as little as $1. Uh, you can get uh, early videos as well as plenty of other perks. In the meantime, come follow me on Twitter, Wattpad, Facebook, email me stuff you've made at the address or links in the description below. That is all from me today. Stay nerdy, Subfuries. I will see you in the future. Hey Subfuries, have you ever read a story where the characters are going about their questy business when they find themselves in a mysterious place steeped in ancient magic and there are mysterious wizards who do sparkly mysterious magic things and the magic is never explained? Well, chances are that you're reading a story with a soft magic system. This is part two of three of a writing series, and last video we talked about hard magic systems, how to design them, and how they fit into fictional worlds. I recommend watching that to get the full discussion. But to paraphrase, a hard magic system has clearly defined rules, consequences, and limitations that govern what one can or cannot do with magic. Soft magic systems, on the other hand, often have a vague, undefined, or mysterious set of rules and limitations to being used. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings is probably the most famous example of this. Middle-earth is full of magical things, places, and people, from Agent Elrond to Saruman to your mother-in-law. But we don't really know how magic works, its limits, or what it requires. We know Gandalf is a wizard and all, but if you asked him about the specific limitations or costs of his wizardy magic powers, Gandalf gets a little vague. Now, while hard magic systems are largely about how you design magic to work, soft magic is more about how it can be worked into a good narrative, and that's what we'll be talking about today. This can boil down to thinking about three things. Tension, point of view, and unpredictability. Brandon Sanderson writes stories with very hard magic, but his three laws of magic apply to writing stories anywhere on the spectrum from hard to soft. And Sanderson's first law is still incredibly important to soft magic stories. An author's ability to solve conflict with magic is directly proportional to how well the reader understands said magic. So firstly, tension. How well you can resolve tension and solve problems is essential to making a good story. This is where having a soft magic system can make things more difficult, because tension is incredibly difficult to build if your reader has no idea of the capabilities of your characters. But that's the thing about soft magic. The reader may not understand much about the limits or costs of it in your story. They don't know when your swashbuckling heroes are faced with a real challenge. Whether the wizard can turn around with a wise bearded look, say, fear not my pathetic mortal friends. 
and magic them away from danger. Using soft magic the reader cannot predict or doesn't understand to resolve conflict can feel like the author is just screaming, a wizard did it, throwing a deus ex machina in your face and expecting you to get on with your sorry life. Does this mean that you can never use soft magic to resolve tension? The answer is of course not. Magic systems can be anywhere on the spectrum from hard to soft and there are plenty of stories that find a great balance between the two. A common way that this is written is that virtually anything is possible within the soft magic system, but individual characters might only have specific powers. Harry Potter is a relatively good example of this. Throughout the books, very few real limitations can be applied to magic as a whole. There could be a spell to accomplish almost anything a wizard might need. Wanna kill someone? There's a spell for that. Wanna repel muggles? There's a spell for that. Why dream to forget when you can just erase the memories? And Rowling regularly introduces new spells for things when she needs them, like Expecto Patronum in the third book when creating spirit animals made of happiness became important to the plot. But Harry Potter himself has limited powers. He can't just make up a spell on the spot to do whatever he needs. His capabilities are limited to the spells he has learned and trained to use throughout the books. The tension is built up, maintained, and resolved well because when magic does solve problems in these stories, the reader understood Harry's capabilities, even if those abilities came from a soft magic system. Readers don't feel cheated because even though a wizard did do it, it doesn't feel like a wizard did it. You can have harder parts to a soft magic system without it being restricting for you as a storyteller, maintaining that sense of mystery and possibility as well as having limitations. It's just about striking that balance. Now while readers may feel cheated if soft magic is used to miraculously resolve tension, it's virtually never a problem if it causes tension. It's a lot easier to have antagonists with vague or undefined powers than protagonists. This is why we might not understand the powers of the Mind Flayer in Stranger Things, but it still makes for an interesting villain. While we do understand Eleven's powers to an extent, because her powers are used to solve problems in the narrative. It's just important to remember to be consistent with that villain's powers later on. Likewise, it's perfectly okay to create challenges that the characters must solve with unexplained magic. So feel free to be the all-powerful, maniacal overlord you are and wreak havoc on the lives of your characters and make them sorry that they were ever born. Secondly, we need to talk about how soft magic fits in with your point of view characters. Whether you want to tell your story from the viewpoint of a magical or a non-magical character may change how you write. While this is in no way a rule, stories with softer magic tend to not be written from the perspective of magic users. For example, the Black Company has a very soft magic system and there are even main characters who use it regularly, but it's told from the perspective of Croker, a non-magical character. There are a number of reasons an author might want to do this. One, if magic exists outside the point of view, you can align the reader with the main character, who may view magic as this mystical and unknown force in the world. That may be something that you want your reader to experience. Sanderson writes in his essay, The First Law of Magic, that soft magic preserves the sense of wonder in their books, to give the setting a fantastical feel. Soft magic books tend to want to indicate that men are a small, small part of the eternal and mystical workings of the universe. And that sense of the mysterious unknown can be harder to achieve if writing from the perspective of someone who must understand something of your magic. My favourite example of this is The Hobbit, because Tolkien. Tolkien tells his story through the eyes of Bilbo, a hobbit and handkerchief enthusiast. He adds to the tension in the story by using Bilbo's perspective. It reinforces that sense of the unknown in Mirkwood Forest, because Bilbo cannot possibly predict what enchantments, spells, or kind of racist elf kings he might face in there. It would be far more difficult for Tolkien to create that mysterious tension if the story was told by Gandalf, who would know a lot more about what to expect. But let's say that you want to write your soft magic story from the perspective of a witch or a wizard. How would you do that? There are an infinite number of ways that you can do this without breaking Sanderson's first law, but we are only going to talk about two that are particularly common and add really interesting dynamics 
context to a story. One way is to write characters who have magic but do not control it directly. That only your eponymous hero can wield the ancient magical sword of plot convenience that also happens to indicate he should be king for some reason. Strange women lying in ponds distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. This trope can be seen all over the place in King Arthur or Rincewind in The Light Fantastic, but Daenerys Targaryen is an excellent example of this. In A Song of Ice and Fire, Daenerys has this thing called Valerian magic, which we know has a lot to do with fire and blood, but not much more than that. It's Valerian magic that allows Danny to bond with dragons and survive standing in a funeral pyre at the end of the first book, but George R. R. Martin said Targaryens are not immune to fire. This was about the birth of Danny's dragons, which was unique, magical, wondrous, a miracle. In other words, it was an example of very soft magic. But while Danny is magical, it's not an ability that she controls. It doesn't break Sanderson's first law because it is used to make her story more interesting without resolving the conflicts in her story. Giving characters very little control over their magic allows you to keep the tension in the narrative because the reader still feels it's the character's intelligence, ingenuity, and skill that are letting them solve problems. It's not the hero's magical ability to wield the sword that no one else can that allows them to defeat your totally not generic Dark Lord, it's that your hero worked and learned how to wield the sword. Fundamentally, soft magic can facilitate the resolution of your conflict, but not resolve it in and of itself. That comes across as a wizard did it. A second way to write from the viewpoint of a soft magic character is with an element of unpredictability. While hard magic relies heavily on it being predictable and consistent, soft magic is allowed to be a lot more unpredictable. Having not just the reader, but the characters themselves be unsure of the limits or capabilities of their magic can be really interesting, and it retains that feeling of mysticism without you needing to explain how it works precisely. The character Melisandre in A Song of Ice and Fire is a fantastic example of this. She is one of the few viewpoint characters who actively try to use magic to accomplish things, but not only does the reader not fully understand the limits or rules of her powers, but neither does she entirely. For example, in the second book she performs a huge sacrificial ritual for Stannis Baratheon, believing it would transform him into the saviour of the world and English grammar. Fewer. But it didn't. Sometimes she can call on the Lord of Light for guidance, and other times it just doesn't work. While she is powerful, the rules of her magic aren't as clear as magical action X equals magical effect Y. But it's important to not use that unpredictability to solve problems too often. It comes across as weak writing if it works too regularly, because suddenly it doesn't feel unpredictable. It reads as if the author is just using magic to make the character succeed or fail whenever is most convenient for them. But the focus of unpredictable magic should not be on its ability ability to solve problems. Rather, its role in the story should centre around guess what? Its unpredictability and how that can enrich your narrative. Soft magic can add fantastical elements to a story in a way that is difficult to do with hard magic, and authors who do that well truly enhance their writing. For example, in many scenarios where characters do use unpredictable magic, it can often go horribly wrong and create more problems for the characters. In the Deathgate cycle, the more powerful the magic, the more drastic the unpredictable side effects will be. When one character performs necromancy, another random person will die. It can be fascinating to have viewpoint characters using this kind of magic in ways that truly affect the course of the story, but not just in positive ways, but negative and neutral.
neutral ways as well. One of my favourite variations of Unpredictable Magic is from the Discworld series by Terry Pratchett, which if you haven't read is the perfect balance between fantasy, comedy and dreadful existentialism. In his books, magic has something of a personality, it isn't easy to control and can simply decide to do things on its own. If you really want to set your soft magic system apart, consider how its unpredictability could play into your story. Thinking about how hard it is to control, perhaps giving it some form of sentience that makes it not just a tool that could be used, but something to be incredibly wary of for your characters. And this is a major difference between hard and soft magic, where hard magic will go wrong because the practitioners didn't understand the rules or limits of the magic, soft magic is more likely to go wrong simply because of its nature. Unpredictable magic can actually increase tension with a sense of risk to using it, and is less likely to feel like a wizard did it. If the reader never loses that feeling of unpredictability or risk of disaster, what's difficult for authors is working to maintain that feeling. Of course, none of this means that your soft magic has to be unpredictable. This is just one way to make soft magic interesting, especially if you're writing from the viewpoint of magic users. Thirdly, you have to ask, how many magic systems do you want? Oftentimes, fantasy stories only have one magic system, like the Inheritance Cycle, the Belgariad, or Star Wars, but it is possible to include more than one magic system in your story if you like. In the Kingkiller Chronicles there is Sympathy, which is a much harder magic system, but there's also things like naming magic or fey magic that are far softer. In A Song of Ice and Fire there's an all-you-can magic buffet with the Faceless Men, the Old Gods, the Lord of Light, the Others, the Children of the Forest, and Valerian magic. Few of them have much or anything to do with one another and they are a mix of harder and softer magic systems. You can write a story with both and which style is best is simply up to what fits for your narrative, though if you really want to distinguish your novel you might want to use multiple magic systems. It's not particularly common and I often feel that it's a missed opportunity that hasn't been adequately explored in fantasy. Having multiple can add to the mysteriousness of your world, while having one may help establish that sense of predictability and consistency required for hard magic. And fourthly, style. Soft magic systems have an advantage of being extremely versatile and flexible. Authors are free to include ritualistic magic, spell magic, theurgical magic that calls on demons and angels, or ley lines that create well of magical energy. They can use all of that without it feeling out of place. Hard magic systems, on the other hand, typically rely on one or a few styles at most. They need to be restricted for there to be clear rules. At its heart, I think harder magic is about how well an author designs the limitations, costs, and weaknesses, and how this can be cleverly used to solve problems in your story. While soft magic is not so much about solving problems, but adding to the narrative by opening up its possibilities and world-building opportunities. This was part two of a three-part series analyzing magic systems, and you voted for it, so the third part I want to examine a particular magic system in detail. Avatar The Last Airbender, how it's developed, how it fits in with Sanderson's third law of magic in particular, and where it works or doesn't work within the narrative. Question of the day, which do you prefer and why? Hard or soft? And I'm talking about magic systems. If you like what I make, please consider supporting me on Patreon so I can keep doing the work that I do. In the meantime, please come say hello to me on Twitter, Wattpad, Facebook, or email me stuff you've made at the address or links in the description below. Stay nerdy, Subfuries, and thank you very much for the massive response to my last video. I'll see you in the future.